Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Today we're kicking off a new series during the Christmas season called Christmas Playlist. And I don't know about you, uh, but I love singing Christmas songs. Anybody love singing Christmas songs this time of year? I love singing Christmas songs. So one of my favorite things to do, and our, our family uses Spotify as our digital music platform. Some use Apple Music, and there's, there's other ones that are out there as well. We use Spotify. So every year, one of my favorite things to do is, is to kind of adjust it as I bring out the Christmas playlist on my Spotify to adjust it, to be able to, to add some new things in and change things around. And I love to put together that list of some of my favorite songs. And then when I'm in the car, uh, uh, riding, or in the house, I, I'm just singing at the top of my lungs, annoying my kids like crazy. Yes, absolutely. Dad, you're singing too loud. Here he goes again. Anybody do that? That's just me. You know, I mean, I'm the person that if you drive up and we're at a stoplight and, you know, you come up next to me or something, I, I don't care. I mean, I'm just like, it's, it's wintertime and the windows are up so you can't hear me, but I'm just like blaring it. Like, that's just what it is, because I, I just, I love Christmas songs, and so I, I fed, felt led as I was just praying, uh, and this was all the way back in October, began to really pray about Christmas, and, and, and where do we want to go, and what's the theme of Christmas, and just really felt uh, led to take some of the classic Christmas songs, because so many of them just have such great doctrine. There's just so, they were, they were based on, on doctrine, they were based on the Word of God, they were based on what happened, and, and to kind of take a look at some of those songs, and some of the lines in those songs. And, and draw out what were what were they communicating in that? And one of those songs that hit me was the one that we just sang, "God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen." And I, and as I began to sing that, there was a line in that song that that really struck me, and it, and it says, "To save us all from Satan's power, ere we were gone astray." To save us all from Satan's power. So as I got into it and I began to kind of to take a look at this Christmas hymn and, and where it was found. I found it was in the, the 1800s and, and 16th century English. And I'm thinking, God rest ye merry gentlemen. What is God rest ye merry gentlemen? I thought, well, that kind of sounds like, you know, like you go after church and you take your like Sunday afternoon nap. You know what I'm talking about? Like you put on the Browns game and it's just so bad, you fall asleep and you take a rest. And, you know, some of you have started that early because you already fall asleep from what I'm told while I'm preaching. And so, you know, um, no, that's not what that's not what that means, merry gentlemen. And so as I, I begin to take a look in the old English, the phrase, uh, God rest you, merry gentlemen, rest means to make. That's what rest actually means is to to make and and marry. Uh, here means doesn't mean like happy it actually means mighty or powerful so if you really take a look at, at what it meant it means God make you mighty gentlemen and ladies God make you mighty and, and once you kind of understand this then the next line makes sense God make you mighty gentlemen let nothing you Dismay. What, what does dismay mean? Well, upset, uh, frightened, uh, anxious, to confound, to break down courage or, or by danger or difficulty or fear of calamity, to fill with despairing apprehension. 
God make you mighty gentlemen. Let nothing discourage you. Let nothing cause fear and anxiety in you. Let, let there be peace and, 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 and no, 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 no apprehension. Let nothing you dismay. And I want to encourage you because this song today is a message of encouragement. This song today is a, is a message that says, don't lose heart. I think it's great encouragement because when I look around at our world today and when I, when I talk with different people and I see different scenarios and different things that are happening, I know that in, in, in many people today, there is some apprehension and anxiousness. I, I know that many in our world today are facing discouragement. Some are facing doubt. Some are experiencing fear in their lives today. And I, I want to encourage you today that, that you don't, you don't, you might be, you might be outwardly, you put on a brave face. I'm, I'm looking good on the outside. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. It's good. Yep, doing good. But on the inside, on the inside, there's an anxiousness in some. And inside, there's a fear. Inside, there's some brokenness. There's brokenness. And I want to encourage you today that inwardly you might struggle to find peace and comfort and tidings of comfort and joy, good news of comfort and joy. But I want to, I want to let you know that this Christmas, what we're going to, what we're going to see in, in the one Jesus who has come, we're going to, we're going to see that there is hope. That there is encouragement. That, that God can make us mighty. Let nothing you dismay. How? How? Well, here it is. Here's the line. For Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To what? Why was he born on Christmas Day? Why did, why did he come? To save us all from Satan's power ere we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, right? Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born to save us from Satan's power. Oh, I don't think that hit. I, I don't think you're, I don't, I, I, are, did, you, did you rest already? God, rest? I, that, wasn't, that wasn't go to sleep. I, I don't think you get it. We, we sit, talk about the baby in a manger and we think of this, this little baby and what power does a baby have. But I'm going to tell you something. God sent his son Jesus to save us from Satan's power to push back the powers of darkness. That's the comfort and joy to save us all from Satan's power. That's what brings the good news. That's the gospel. That's tidings of comfort and joy. They come because we have a savior. We have a savior. The world in which Jesus came into was a dark world. At the time, the, the Romans were the superpower. They were the conquering nation. They had conquered other nations. And those nations, like the Israelites, like the Jewish people, like Jerusalem, were under their occupation. At one time, the superpower had been Alexander the Great. But in the midst of a political battle and a struggle for power, the nation of Israel found itself within this, this type of, of situation, this bondage where it was a, a dark time years earlier because of their disobedience. They were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and, and there were prophecies. Seventy years they were in captivity and yet God was faithful to his promise 
And when the Babylonian kingdom went out and the, and the Medo-Persian empire came in, God began to fulfill his promise and began to restore and send people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the city and to rebuild the temple of worship. And yet never was Israel completely free. Following the Medo-Persian Empire, Alexander the Great and the Greeks came in and they conquered. And so Israel was a part of their territory. And then the, the Alexander's kingdom was split into four after he passed away to four military generals. And, and, and during that time, there was, there was constant battle and fighting for territory among them. And one who was a, a false one, Antiochus Epiphanes, rose up and he began to persecute the Jews. And he began to persecute the Israelite people and he, he wanted to desecrate the temple. He's a picture of the Antichrist that we talk about in Revelation. And then the Romans came in and the Romans defeated the Greeks and, and, and they began to take over and, and, and Israel continued to remain under occupation with Roman soldiers filling the streets, never feeling like there was any kind of, of freedom. They were under Roman taxes and, and oftentimes those who were sued at the tax collector's booth, even some of them, as we know, Jewish people like one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, uh, oftentimes they would, they would overtax the people. Extortion, poverty. This is the kind of dark world. And for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, Mark, Luke, between the Gospels, silence. Where is God? Where are the promises of God? Where are the things that, that God has promised you? You had those who were waiting for the consolation of Israel. People like Simeon and Anna that we see in Luke chapter 2. Examples of those who were waiting in hope during this time of, of, of terrible spiritual conditions and, and throughout the world. And yet in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the oppression and the brokenness, Jesus came. In the midst of the darkness... In the midst of the brokenness, Jesus came. And Isaiah 9, 2 prophesied, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. A light will break forth. And in Matthew 1, 20 and 21, the angel declared to Joseph, but as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And from there we see the purpose Jesus, Yeshua, the God who saves, who has come to save his people from their sin. It's more than just this little thing of, of forgiveness. Oh, so much more than that. For the word save means, in the Greek language, is sozo. And it means to heal, to preserve, to rescue, to deliver, and to make whole. To save us all from Satan's power. Or we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Why? Because there is hope. There is hope. There is healing. There is deliverance. And I hope we get this by the end. Jesus came to push back the darkness, friends. 
He's come to deliver us from Satan's power. Hebrews 2.14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. That's why Jesus came. To destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the power of the devil. In fact, that's what 1 John 3, 8 tells us. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We, 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 oh, goodness. Satan's power, right? We have a real enemy. Do you realize there's a cosmic battle that's been going on since the beginning of time? Before you and I were, were ever even, even, even here, before we were ever born, this, this cosmic battle that we experience today, the brokenness and the darkness that is in our world today, and the sin that binds people up today, and the addictions that we experience, and the hurt, and the pain, and the death, it is a part of a cosmic battle that has been going on since before the creation of the world. When Satan decided to puff himself up, was no longer content to be in the position he was in, but wanted God's position, and was cast down from heaven. A third of the angels followed. A cosmic battle began. Darkness covered the earth. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, sin and brokenness entered into our world, and with it, a battle of cosmic powers, darkness. Oh, but Jesus came. But Jesus came, right? Jesus came to rescue us, to save us from Satan's power, to deliver us from the sin that holds us bound. I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over again because I want you to get it. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. There is hope. There is hope in the midst of the darkness. There is hope and there is life and there is light and it's found in Jesus. Jesus in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4 returns from a period of time of fasting and, and he had been tempted by, by the enemy, by Satan. Again, cosmic battle. But he does not give in. He quotes scripture and he, he finds himself in a place of victory. And Luke chapter 4, 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country. And, and when he came back, where did he go? In Nazareth, he came back to his hometown. He went into the synagogue, and while he was there, he was handed a scroll. <clears throat> and it says this in, in Luke 4, 17, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled rolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who were oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And it says he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Can you imagine the scene? Here they are in the synagogue. That's like a local, uh, it wasn't the big temple, kind of a, a localized church. A localized church. 
And Jesus comes in and they hand him a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolls it and you can just see the the eyes of people that are on him. And he stands up and he comes to the place and he begins to read this. And and the, the moment he reads it, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he reads this about about what what Isaiah had prophesied would be. The Spirit of the Lord upon me about a coming Messiah. A coming, an anointed one. That's what what Messiah and Christ mean. Anointed one. An anointed one who would come. and, And he finishes reading and he rolls up the scroll, hands it back. And it's silent. And all eyes are fixed on Jesus as he sits down because, as we know, Jesus taught as one who had authority, not like the others with the law and the prophets. There was something when he read those words that was resonating with the people. You could have heard a pin drop in the room and eyes continue to be fixed on him as he's sitting there. And then he utters these words, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Why? (laughs) Oh, come on. Because I've come to seek and save the lost. Because I've come to proclaim good news. I've come to proclaim freedom. I've come to proclaim deliverance to those that are bound in sin and in darkness. To give sight to the blind and freedom to the oppressed. I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's anointed. He's anointed for that purpose. There's an authority and anointing on Jesus for that purpose to save us all from Satan's power. To push back the power of darkness. He's empowered. He's set apart to liberate, to set free the captives. In fact, Paul wrote in Colossians 2.15... That Jesus came and he gave his life and when he did, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. There is victory in Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. There is salvation in Jesus. He left the temple, or the synagogue, not the temple. He left the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 because the people in his hometown started to say, Who is this guy? We saw him grow up. Who does he think he is? And we know that Jesus was limited in what he was able to do because they did not show him the honor. They did not put their faith in him, but he walked out. It didn't stop him. It didn't stop him. He, he then went in verse 31. Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And, and this is point number one. Jesus came to deliver. Jesus has come to deliver. He, he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath. So here, here he is. He goes to Capernaum. He goes to a local town in the same region, the same area, Galilee, taught in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There too, the people were amazed at his teaching for he spoke with authority. And once he was in the synagogue, a man, here it is, possessed by a demon, an evil spirit cried out shouting, go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the demon threw the man on the floor as the crowd watched. And then it came out of him with, with hurting, uh, without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. That even evil spirits obey him and they flee at his command. 
So Jesus is in the synagogue in his hometown, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, has empowered me, has chosen me, has given me authority to push back the powers of darkness, to set free liberty the captives. And, and he goes into Galilee and Capernaum, and he's there, and he's ministering while he's there, and he's speaking the Word of God boldly and in power. And it just so happens that, that a man who is demon-possessed, that has a, a demon, is hanging out in the place of the synagogue. Why? Because I think that man knew he needed deliverance in his life. And he went to the place where he thought he should be able to receive deliverance. Who knows how often he had showed up in that place, but this time was different. This time was different because Jesus was there. This time was different because Jesus was there. And immediately the evil spirit starts shouting out, why are you interfering with us? Why have you, have you come to destroy us? Uh, yeah, actually I have. <laughs> yep, yep, you know it. You know why I came. You know why I'm here, right? Yes, yes I have. I've come to proclaim freedom to the captives, to those who have been bound. We don't know how long this man has been bound. We don't know how long he has been hurt by these demons, how long he has been oppressed by these demons. But what we do know is the moment that Jesus spoke, the moment that Jesus showed up, this man was set free and that demon no longer hurt him. He, he was delivered from the demonic. I'm going to get a little controversial. There is demonic activity in the world today. Can, can I just tell you? It didn't go away. There is demonic activity in the world today. There are people in our own community who are bound in demonic activity. Who, who are bound. There are people in our world, in our communities, right, right here in our local area. And I think sometimes we don't think it's serious. But friends, understand the principalities and powers of the air are still very much at work. That's why the battle that we face and spiritual warfare is not a battle of the flesh. It is spiritual. There are spiritual forces that are at work. The devil is still at work. The demonic is still at work. There are people who are demon-possessed, and there are people who are oppressed by, by the demonic and the darkness in our world today. They, they, they are. I, I, I'm not going to deny the reality of mental illness, okay? Please do not hear what I'm not saying. With every ounce of compassion in me, there is real struggles and, and there is real mental illness and, and there is a need. Do not hear what I'm not saying. However, some of it is not gonna be fixed by medication. It's spiritual. And in our world today, particularly in our American culture, we have reasoned everything to medicine when some things doctors can't explain, medicine can't fix. Why am I still experiencing the same things over and over again? Because it's spiritual. It's spiritual. There is a real enemy. There is real darkness. There are demonic forces that are causing people to struggle in depression to struggle with, with physical illnesses that they can't explain, to, to struggle with anxiety, to struggle with suicidal thoughts. Let me tell you something. If there is anything that is demonic, it is suicide because there is a real enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his MO. That is why he came. Make no mistake about it. 
The powers of darkness are real, and the enemy is real, and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he has come to discourage. He has come to to have some that that believe that the only way that they're ever going to experience any kind of less pain in their lives is if they just end it. And I'm going to tell you, if you are considering suicide, I want to tell you there is hope to save us all from Satan's power. Ere we were gone. There's, Jesus came to save. Jesus has come to deliver. Jesus has come to push back the darkness. Jesus has come to unbound the chains. If you are bound in addiction, that is demonic. I'm going to tell you that Jesus has come to bring deliverance in your life. That is why Jesus came, to push back the powers of darkness. Oh, friends, the reason you don't experience tidings of comfort and joy is because because you haven't encountered, encountered Jesus Christ, the Savior. He comes to save. Some of them have been bound. And Jesus wants you to live. He's come to bring freedom and deliverance to destroy the works of the devil and to bring life and life abundantly. Jesus delivered the demoniac, and he has the power to set you free. Leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus has the power to heal. He, he went to the home of, of Peter, and it says, after leaving the synagogue, Jesus went to Simon's home where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged, standing at her bedside. He rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Listen. Listen, Jesus, Jesus leaves the, the synagogue and he comes to Simon's home and there his mother-in-law is sick and she's got a fever and, and, and it's not breaking and they're concerned and won't you, you heal her? And Jesus, by a word, rebuked the fever and it left. Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to heal. He has the power to heal. Over and over and over in scripture we see this, that those that are bound in, in sickness and illness, Jesus has the power to heal. Understand that there is some sickness that is caused by Satan. Not all. God was allowed to afflict Job. Job 2, 4 to 7, then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. And that a man, all that, that, that a man has, excuse me, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand. Only spare his life. So look at this. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Who struck Job? Satan. That's how evil he is. That's how evil he is. He's come to destroy your life. He, he, he thinks nothing about afflicting you. He thinks nothing about affliction. He thinks nothing about afflicting you with sickness and disease. He, he thinks nothing about it. Understand, this does not come from God. This comes from Satan. It's a direct work of Satan. And again, not all sickness and disease, I'm going to touch on it in a moment, is a work of Satan. But... Some of it's just a work of a brokenness in the world. I'm going to touch on it in a moment. But I want you to know that there is some affliction. There is some physical illness, disease that is afflicted by Satan. It's a work of Satan. Jesus once healed a woman who was, who was bent over and could not straighten up. 
And some criticized him because it was the Sabbath day in which he healed her. This is what it says in Luke 13, 16. Ought, Jesus said this, Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Jesus said, whom Satan has bound. That, that, that's what Jesus said. Don't look at me and say it. That's what Jesus said. And why did Jesus come? He said, straighten up. I've come to heal her on the, on the Sabbath. Absolutely, I've come to heal her because that is why I came. That's, that's what Christmas is all about. That is why I came. That was to destroy the works of Satan, to loose those that are in bondage, to bring liberty to the captives. Friends, do we believe this? This is Jesus. This is why he came. Now, again, not every sickness is a work of the enemy, but, but even the apostle Paul said that there's a thorn in the flesh, and he said that that is a messenger of Satan. Read it, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And there are other instances where, where there, is, there, is, there is sickness that has been bound as a reference to Satan. There's other times where it's not, like in John 9, 3. Why is this? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said in John 9, 3, it was not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Nevertheless, Jesus healed this man. The point is simply this, friends. Jesus came to save us from Satan's power. And that saving, sozo, the word saved, also includes the word healing. That was what Isaiah prophesied about. That by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Friends, some of you have been struggling with infirmities that the doctors cannot diagnose. You're suffering with sickness and disease and a healing you need that comes from the Lord. Sometimes he says, my grace is sufficient for you. But I'm going to tell you there's other times where Jesus is able to heal. Where Jesus is able to deliver. I believe that Jesus has the power to heal today. Jesus has the power to heal today. And the same healing that was then is available to you now. Thirdly, Jesus has come to save. In the verses that follow Peter's mother-in-law, many came, they were healed, and, and many were delivered. You, you, you can read it, demonic uh, possession, oppression, and sickness. Jesus came, and, and he was healing all those that were, that were brought to him. And, and, and then he withdraws to a quiet place, and they come looking for him. And they say, Jesus, come. Won't you stay with us? Jesus, don't go anywhere. Stay with us. And listen to his reply, Luke 4, 43 and 44. He replied this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too. Because that is why I was sent. That is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. He preached the good news of the gospel. That is why I was sent. Perhaps we miss the mark when we simply talk about deliverance and healing for the greatest sickness of mankind. The greatest sickness in mankind is sin and the blindness that sin causes. That's the greatest problem of mankind. The problem that we have is, is a blindness. Satan's greatest tactic is to blind the minds of unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Sin is truly our greatest problem. There, there is no other problem that is greater than sin. 
Sin is our greatest problem, and the wages of sin is death. In fact, without a Savior, we are bound in sin and headed for eternal punishment in hell. That is, that is the reality. That's the reality of our lives without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, that's the reality. But Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. Jesus has come to save us from our sin. Sin is our greatest problem. And God provided an atonement for our sin, a savior for our sin. His name is Jesus. We see an example in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is at the home of a religious leader, a Pharisee. While they're at the Pharisee's home, something happens that interrupts their meal. Luke chapter 7 and verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was touching him. Notice in verse 39, what does is, what is the Pharisee call this woman? A sinner. A sinner. In fact, uh, that was not just to be mean. The writer of the Gospel of Luke indicates that she was an immoral woman who, was, who had that reputation in that particular town. The alabaster jar of perfume that she poured on Jesus' feet was something that she would use to anoint her own body that would indicate to, to, to men in the area that she was available. There was, a, there was a reason for that. Nevertheless, she was broken in her sin. She was weighed down by her sin. There was a, a heaviness of shame and guilt in her life. And where does she go? She comes in. So much is she broken that she interrupts this dinner at the home of this religious leader, this Pharisee, and she comes in and she begins to fall at Jesus' feet and she begins to weep in her brokenness, so much so, so many tears that she can actually wash his feet with her tears, that, that she can dry them off with her hair. She is crying that much. She is that broken and, and she, is, she is kissing his feet and then she breaks that expensive alabaster jar of perfume open and she begins to put it on his feet. The dusty, dirty feet, the roads that he walked because she was broken in her sin. There was a brokenness. There was a heaviness. There was a shame. There was a, there was a guilt. She was unclean and he was the servant of God, the Pharisee. If you would know this, if you were a prophet, you would address this, Jesus. Oh, but instead, Jesus decides to teach a little lesson. And he tells a parable about a servant in debt. He, he tells a servant who's in debt. And he says, who's the one? Who's the one that will love more? The one who is forgiven much, loves much. He, he talks about debt. He talks about debt. And then he says to the self-righteous Pharisee, he said, when I walked in here, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. The customary, this customary greeting. You didn't, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. You didn't give me any anointing oil for my head. 
but she's not stopped washing my feet with her tears, and she's not stopped. She, she took the oil, and she anointed my, my feet with the oil. She, she's not stopped. You didn't give me the customary kiss. She's not stopped kissing my dirty, nasty feet. <laughs> He thought he was good. He didn't think he needed Jesus because the, the greatest problem in our world today is sin. The greatest obstacle in our world today for forgiveness and salvation is pride. It's pride. We refuse to acknowledge the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior. Oh, I got this. I got this. Lest you think it was the woman's actions, it wasn't the alabaster jar of perfume. That she broke over Jesus' feet that brought forgiveness and, and salvation. It wasn't the fact that she cried so hard and, and, and washed his feet with her tears and her hair. It, it wasn't any of that. Look what, look what Jesus said in verse 47. I tell you, her sins, though they are many, have been forgiven. For she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table, they... They said to themselves, who's this man that he goes around forgiving sin? <laughs> who's this man? The Spirit of the Lord has, has anointed me. I have the authority. I have the anointing. I have the empowerment to proclaim good news to the poor. To set at liberty those that are captive. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Who's this man? And Jesus said to the woman, what did he say? Your works have saved you. Your tears have saved you. The alabaster jar that you broke over that was so expensive that you gave to me, your offering has saved you. No, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That word saved is the same word we talked about earlier when, when the angel showed up to Joseph and he said, his name shall be called Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. It's the same Greek word sozo that is there. That, that Jesus has come to save. Jesus has come to save. He has come to save us from our sin. He has come to push back the powers of darkness. He has come to deliver. He has come to heal. He has come. He has come to, 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 to break the, the chains of guilt and shame and addiction. No longer are we bound by those things any longer for we have been forgiven by Jesus. Forgiveness is available through Jesus. Through his blood. To save us all from Satan's power. Ere we were gone astray. This Christmas some of you need the tidings of good news. That bring comfort and joy. And that comes when we begin to trust. In the power of Jesus name. That comes when we begin to trust in the power of Jesus name. That is why Jesus came. The enemy is real. His schemes are not new. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the deceiver and he is the accuser. And he wants to continue to whisper in your ear, you're not forgiven. You're not forgiven. You'll never own up. You'll never make it. He wants to keep you bound in your sin. But Jesus has come to set you free. Jesus has come to set you free. Jesus has come to save you. Jesus has come to deliver you. Jesus has come to heal you. He's come to heal you. He wants to destroy the plan that God has for your life. That's what the enemy wants to do. 
But not Jesus. Christmas reminds us that he came to destroy the works of the devil, that he disarmed the principalities and the powers of the air, and that he has come to set you free. Worship team, will you come? The weapons of this world are not carnal. They are spiritual, and they are mighty to save. We serve a risen Savior who has the power and the authority to destroy the work of the devil, to save your soul to bring healing to your body, to bring salvation to your life. Jesus wants to bring healing to someone today in this room. Jesus wants to bring deliverance to somebody who is here today. Jesus wants to bring salvation to someone today. Whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, Jesus wants to bring you salvation today. Jesus wants to bring you salvation today. So I'd like us to bow our heads this morning. I'd like us to bow our heads this morning and just get in this place. We're going to receive communion in just a few moments together. But before we do that, I just, I just sense in my spirit that, that somebody needs a touch of Jesus today. Somebody needs a touch of Jesus today. Father, we just come before you right now. I just invite you, Holy Spirit, in this place. Jesus, right now in this place, we just look to you. We look to you, Jesus, because you have come, Lord. That's why you came, to destroy the works of the enemy. And when you were on that cross, you yelled out, it is finished. It is finished. The work that you began when you came is the work that you completed at Calvary on the cross, that you completed when you rose from the dead, that God, the, the, the power of the enemy, the power of death, the power of, uh, 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 of the hold of the enemy, the blindness that he causes has been broken in Jesus' name. You've come to heal. You've come to save. You've come to deliver. Oh, Jesus, we just pray you would do that in this place this morning. That you do that in this place this morning. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm in need of salvation today. I, 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 need, I need his forgiveness in my life. I need, I need salvation in Jesus Christ today. I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I, that I have sinned against God and I need a Savior. I need Jesus as a Savior. Maybe you're watching online today. You say, that's me. I just want you to be bold today. I want you to be bold like the woman who was who had the alabaster jar. She wasn't ashamed to go into the Pharisee's house. She wasn't ashamed to, to go down to the altar. Don't be ashamed today. If you need Jesus as your Savior today, will you slip up your hand today? Say, Pastor, I need a Savior. Pastor, I need Jesus to be my Savior. I need my sins forgiven. If you're watching online, let us know. I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Hallelujah. Jesus, right now, I just pray with those that need a Savior. We just call out to you. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, if there is someone that needs a Savior today, we just call out to you. Dear Jesus, we thank you today for your forgiveness and for your grace. We thank you that you've come to save. And today, Jesus, we acknowledge we need a Savior a savior for our sins. We are a sinner and we need your forgiveness and your grace. And so today, in the midst of our brokenness and our shame and our guilt, we place our faith in you and we ask you, Jesus, to save us. We ask you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on us, oh God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Come into my life and set me free from the power of sin. Set me free from sin and guilt and shame. 
Come into my life. Break the hold of the enemy. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.